You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Firstly, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for everybody joining us today. Um, So today we're going to be discussing um, data-driven product roadmaps, how to use data to shape your product. Um, So before we go ahead and deep dive into the questions, if everybody would like to introduce themselves, that would be great. So if Sebastian, if you'd like to go first. Yeah, sure. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Sebastian. I currently work as a data science uh, consultant at the B three in this and uh, currently I'm at the uh, Mentimeter where I help the marketing and the uh, sales department. Nice, lovely. Thank you very much, Sebastian, for that introduction. And if Prakash, if you'd like to go next. Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, Prakash here and I work for IKEA as a data analyst and uh, I'm part of uh, IKEA's assisted selling initiative and uh, customer relationship initiative uh, together. So yeah, that's uh, quick about me. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you very much, Prakash, for that introduction. And Yusuf, if you'd like to go next. Certainly. Yeah, my name is Yusuf Eriksson. Uh, I work as the head of data at TV4, uh, where I have the luxury of leading a team of both data engineers and data scientists, where we try to both uh, aggregate and collect data, as well as building data-driven products. Nice. Thank you very much for that introduction. And G, last but certainly not least, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm G Kjokmal. Uh, I work as a technical lead for the analytics team at Budbee. And uh, that means I formulate processes and do technical stuff, but I don't do human stuff. <laughs> Nice. Thank you very much, everyone, for um, your introductions. So we'll go ahead and deep dive straight into the questions now. Um, So the first question, um, this is from uh, Youssef. So your question is, how does a company accomplish becoming data-driven first to improve the product for the future? So if Youssef, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question, and then I'll let everybody jump in. Certainly. Uh, So... Um, one thing that we usually struggle a little bit with TV4 is also like our biggest advantage. We are a company that make TV in a linear fashion, like the TV you watch on a television. And this format has been set for quite a long time. I don't know if you thought about it, but they are seems to be the same thing coming over and over and over every year. So like for a couple of years ago, when starting the transfer, trans formation to digital like here we had the opportunity to modify our formats and also like which users should get displayed which format which endless possibilities but how do you the questions i usually uh, argue uh, with are like how do you make the best data decision rather than decision that just feels right there are usually times that this has worked for 20 years on why should it have worked on, on digital which is a fair assumption to make but how do we how do we avoid coming from how they used to do to like the data point of how you can do? And I imagine more companies than than TV4 are fighting with this. Um, so I'm a bit curious to to the rest of you guys. Like, does this description fit your companies as well? And have you have you thought about it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's everywhere, right? People want to be data-driven because it's a buzzword and not a lot of thought is being put into what that means or how do we act. Yeah, I think it's uh, a problem. A lot of companies have probably um, 
but yeah, I think it's uh, sometimes very good to do some kind of data pilots just uh, to prove the value basically of using data in, in, in your decision making and build trust in that way. So like uh, starting small, I guess, to show, show and prove the value to the business. Yeah, I, I would love to agree with you all. But at the same time, I think uh, coming back to the question here. So to make a data driven decision or make a company a data driven one, I think it, it becomes very important to build in some kind of a structure within the organization bottom up understanding the needs from the end user point of view and we, we should try to understand the needs from an end user point of view and and build a very small small solution or 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 stephen said a mvp to to prove a point there and then build on top of it that on, on a larger scale and i and i think uh, sometimes most most of the organizations think in a way to build something extravagant when, whenever people say data and AI, we try to always build uh, something something which is almost on par with uh, a Google search engine or or or, or Amazon or Amazon's. But at the same time, we need to understand that we it, it should be baby steps that we need to take before even jumping into uh, jumping into making uh, making a big big initiatives from a data point of view so so understanding the users becomes very keen and important in starting these mvp solutions or pilots that we call yeah mm. Yeah, kind of agree with that. Like, uh, also like making sure that you you build a, a stable foundation or like a solid foundation. Maybe, uh, yeah, uh, you're starting with the show, showing the fund, fundamental numbers, uh, and from there you can kind of uh, continue to build more advanced uh, capabilities. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Sebastian mentions the keyword here, I think, which is trust. My favorite analogy for this, for like being data driven as an airline pilot. They don't check their instruments, but then also look out the window to see whether they agree with the instruments. That's not how that works. You got to trust the data that you're given more than your gut instinct. And that might not be the easiest pill to swallow for like a CEO of a startup or a scale up, which has done super well, or like a big company household name like TV4 that's been around forever and ever. But at the same time, the word data driven kind of implicitly means driven by data, right? You got to trust the data, the instrumentation way more than your own gut instinct. Otherwise, it's never going to work. And that's a cultural issue. So it's much more about trust and humans. And maybe like Prakash says, showing them something very simple that they that they know that they can trust after a short while is, is key to that. Yeah. And, and I would also add one more point here, because sometimes we confuse ourselves between output and outcome. That has been a big discussion around everywhere as well now that uh, we... Sometimes in, in a way to represent our data, we mostly put our efforts into showing some kind of an output rather than thinking of what outcome it being, brings when we wanted to advise our product teams or our organization to take certain steps. I mean, showing number of cars sold to Volvo, anyone can do. But what if you sell your Volvo certain certain version uh, will make your market go big in certain part of the world? That is that is an outcome oriented approach that we wanted to bring in, and that outcome should be uh, should be should be sharp and can be usable and can be understandable at the same point of time. And if we can do these kind of analysis rather than sticking towards uh, output, just stick towards outcome, even if it is a small outcome that we can uh, impact, which will actually make business and also the product teams look towards the data teams for most of the solutions because they want 
just to see some kind of an outcome rather than output so i think for us it becomes really really important to differentiate them and uh, and showcase it in a perfect manner so they become data driven and they start trusting us as well yeah i can tell you a little bit like uh, how how we how we try to treat this like one of my goals uh, here at T4 is to educate people on statistical differences. What does it mean? Uh, and as you said, like try to do baby steps. We do small things. We try to test it statistically if it's a different or not. And why is just two lines apart not a difference and two lines a little bit more apart a difference? Uh, I think very much come from the foundation of that. As, as you guys said, trust the data. Um, and yeah, we work a lot with recommendations. We had the opportunity to A-B test a lot of recommendations. Here you can do minor things, but as you said, expect something that YouTube or Amazon has. Honestly, we are a team of 10. Um, we, we can only do so much. Yeah. And then it's also like uh, a, lot, a lot about the people, right? There's, we talked a little bit about the culture as well of the company. It needs to be like a data-driven, the mindset. Uh, and uh, if there's a need also be able uh, like take the the uh, the steps to educate the people that, uh, mm. that needs it and and of course you need, you need the right tools as well that are easy to use and and making sure that you kind of uh, in, increase the usage of those tools as well and promote the usage and it's not just about team size right it's also about um, the level of like how how good is this product for a company this scale a lot of people look at what netflix or spotify are doing and not only do you not have the team size necessary to maintain that kind of product it also might not make any kind of sense for you to have that product even if you could even if you could mag magically like snap your fingers and have a well-functioning mono repo or a lambda architecture or whatever mm. you're a data team of 10 people what do you need this for Definitely. Well, some really good points there, and it leads nicely on to our next question, um, which is Sebastian's question. Um, so, Sebastian, your question is, how do you use data to influence the decision makers to shape and adapt your product? So, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question, and then I'll go ahead and let everyone jump in. Mm, absolutely. So, I, I think uh, sometimes uh, the decisions uh, gets made based on, on gut feeling, and the, the, the reason for that in Less data mature organizations might be uh, problems with low trust of the data, as we've been talking about, and also problems with data literacy. But let's say you, you have done your analysis and you have your recommendation ready. Now you just want to get it out there in the organization to influence uh, the decision makers so that you actually create value and, and make an impact. So I'm curious to hear about how you guys use data to influence in your organizations. Yeah, I can go. <laughs> I think uh, this is precisely uh, the toughest job of all uh, working from a data field because you sometimes will be doing a lot of analysis and 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 you feel like your analysis should be completed to share it with your with your organization or with your business but I think the key and important factor here is that sometimes we miss the fact that if we do an analysis that will take for us itself to explain for one hour, our peers in business will take two to three hours to understand the same information. So I think the data literacy or, or make, making product teams or business understand the data is involving them during the process of the analysis itself or du during the process of building something itself and feeding them with lesser chunk of information or chunk of data or chunk of analysis to digest. So that 
it will become an iterative process rather than, you know, I have done analysis on something and then here you see everything is present for you to understand here. So I would say that breaking that into partitions becomes very, very important and involving them in each and step of the analysis will, will be something that has worked out for me uh, in recent times. I can just add on uh, what, uh, what you just were saying. Um, like my team, we are responsible of sharing uh, all the analytical data to the organization. And I deliberately, from time to time, just give some of the data points uh, instead of just giving all the data at once uh, because that triggers as I said okay but I need all the data what what exactly do you need and that sparks this as I said iterative process of I only need to know this and this is how I should transform it to to utilize it so like that's that works very very good for me uh, uh, rather than giving everything at once and then trying to do it on the other uh, other way around but then like how how we use like how we get results from our data is very much on on a product based level so for example i gotta refer again to the recommendations work that we do uh like we we can we have a hypothesis we test if we get users to interact more with that way of displaying the content and it's very 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 easy like if they do that it's success if they do, but it's not significant difference. We don't change anything and we try again. And the data basically speaks for itself. Like everyone wants people to look at more TV. And if we can get that into a metric or if it's uh, music or furniture, like how you design that metric uh, makes a lot makes it a lot easier down the line. But with that said, the metric is hard for times to, to know. That's that's really nice, uh, Joseph, as if the organization are on board with the the data-driven mindset and everyone agrees. If the, if the data says so, then we go with data. I think that's a great state to be in, it sounds like. Uh, previous to that, uh, it can be a bit trickier is what you're getting at, right, Sebastian? If, if the company isn't, like the organization isn't fully ready to accept data points as gospel. But I've tried to kind of attack this from from the other direction and try, as Prakash said before, to have an end user perspective from the beginning. So I've been doing a lot of work to serve different operational needs. So quite far from data science and analysis. But when it comes to that, usually what will happen is someone will come to me and say, hey, I need this so-and-so info or so-and-so data. And if I immediately ask them, what is your problem? Like, what, what are you trying to solve? How can I make your day better? We start there. And then maybe we can tell you as the analytics team or the team that serves your operational need, what we think it is that you need. And this sometimes has kind of a transformative effect on on the conversation because suddenly we're expressing care about them. We're framing ourselves as like, we're here to support you in your day-to-day. And this thing that they think that they need is quite often... You know, they're instinctual, oh, it would be good if I had this. But that's kind of like if, if you're an architect and someone says, I want a window here. What they're probably saying is like, I want this room to feel spacious or I want to see the forest. But you're the architect. You know where the window should go or what it is that they actually need. So I think that's been kind of successful. The end user perspective of how can I just help you solve your problems? Because that's what they want much more than they want that specific data point. Yeah, like that analogy. That's nice. Yeah, and it becomes very important as well uh, on on doing the analysis that we need for the R, if I can put it like that, because when we are looking into data, 
generally we can lead into different directions because the same data can can take us into different analysis that we can bring out but i think the the biggest point here for 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 an organization even to trust us or for a business even to look into look into what analysis we need is to understand what business is on top of at that point of time or or product team is Uh, on top of that time because if they are looking into increasing their sales then we should not present something which increases customer acquisition of course that becomes important as well but if we don't uh, try to sync ourselves with the need for the r and do the analysis that we like to do that is where i think we run on parallel tracks rather than merging towards them and 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 providing the insights the need for the hour and that disconnect will happen and i i very often face this challenge when you are when you are away from your when you are away from your business or understanding the business needs so so end user perspective and understanding the analysis that is needed for the hour becomes very important if we wanted to make our product teams or business to trust us and bring close to close to thinking from a data driven point of view mm. yeah I, i agree i, I think it's uh, many things that ne- needs to be in place uh, before you even can start to influence the decision makers uh, with data i guess we talked about the trust of the data i guess you need the data literacy amongst the business users and also the data people needs to be good at uh, communication to have like your really uh, efficiently get your message through in organization making it crystal clear and to the point i think uh, so I think it's uh, a lot of foundational work that that you need to have uh, before becoming data driven and uh, influencing the decision makers. Be honest like I think that's the hardest part how to how to present it in the right format for that crowd. Uh, like for example we maybe all of of us in the in the room here we would very much like a correlate correlation matrix to look at all the uh, connections you can make with the data but if you're going to present that to some who doesn't like data you lose you lose their interest right away. So like to set the foundation as I said Sebastian for how should you present it is like your often a forgotten features of long data scientists and analyst people uh, i would say i i would i would agree with you yourself completely completely because the example that you took is also very interesting for example if i am just putting a correlation matrix uh, for for let's say customers buying an item and then customers income level and then say that person correlation there or 70% correlation there uh, then i mean uh, my they'll say okay what do you mean by that 70% but at the same time if i ha- if i'm smart enough to change it in a certain way that 70% of people who have income of $70 or more per hour are more probably will be able to purchase the product that we are selling right now or this is the area that you wanted to so it's 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 all in all about how you sell it because if i put a correlation matrix definitely all four of us in the, in the meeting uh, will understand but 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 when it goes to business they they would say oh, what does your 70% correlation mean uh, the the first question that you get and then you will you will also a little bit start panicking on how to explain it because you you are caught off guard there but if you try to understand uh, what is the level of literacy that your crowd has in your meeting and then phrase your same sentences from a business point of view that becomes super interesting for them and super interesting for us also to 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 learn and uh, improve our, our our data literacy in the organization and and i would say data literacy is not always making people understand the data but also for us to understand their business uh, logic or business values so 
So we speak the same language always. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's def- definitely one of the the challenges with with influencing is that you have there is a different level of understanding and try to tailor your, your message to to the, to make it uh, yeah digestible to the to the wider audience and how to find that balance is is uh, really tricky. But this goes back right to the previous point of asking, for instance, stakeholders about their needs rather than the solution they see before them. This is the exact same thing. Like we understand the solution perfectly, but they understand their needs perfectly. This is also about us being business literate as much as it is about them being data literate, right? So I think just framing any framing anything when you're selling anything should begin probably with answering the question, so what? Why do I care? Like come into the room and say, hey, you have so-and-so problem, and I think I have a solution for that. And then out comes the correlation matrix, because now like their interest is peaked, their eyes won't glaze over as fast. You have 15 seconds instead of two before they lose interest, or however you might phrase it. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for uh, them answers. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question now. Uh, so the next question was submitted by G. So um, your question was, how do you organize data quality in the product roadmap and how important is it? So if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question and then everyone can jump in. Yeah. So basically just continuing the theme of trust in the data and trust in the products here. Um, we've found at Budby that data quality is um, it's, it's very important. Obviously, there's no overstating it. And I feel that when I speak to data professionals around here and there, uh, everyone seems to agree with this, but also somehow I never really hear a discussion about how do you prioritize data quality when you're planning the product, how many hours, how many man hours go into making so-and-so and making the, this and the other thing. Data quality is very rarely on there. And that's true for myself as well. It's something that I have on my kind of inner roadmap of this is something that we should definitely 100% do, but it's right up there with maybe automatic unit testing and you know data cataloging, which are super important, but also never today amount of importance. So how do you guys tackle that kind of issue with data quality? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, but it, it seems like data quality is, uh, I mean, if it, if it is a large problem, I would maybe try to turn it into uh, explicit, explicit projects uh, and then try to prioritize it like, like the value versus effort matrix uh, to kind of make sure that we actually see that it's not only uh, a big cost <laughs> project, but it actually it has a lot of value as well uh, and make it uh, uh, transparent to everyone. Do you assume then that if you see no issues, if you don't see any problems, then the data quality is 100% or how do you go about assessing kind of where you are on that scale? I mean, I, I would assume that if it is a large problem, then it's uh, we need to tackle it somehow. And I guess, uh, yeah, trying to get this explicit project uh, to improve the data quality is, uh, I guess, depending on what, what the problem is. I mean, <laughs> it's hard it's hard to say here, I think. Yeah, I think uh, it also connects to data stewardship. Many organizations miss to have data stewards who, who are basically, I would say, the core part of any data team. Uh, and, and I think a lot of us miss to invest ourselves in the data stewardness and, and, and then end up with this data quality situations where we have. And I would say to there's no 
hard and fast and rule that you you will end up with perfect data or quality data at any given point of time because the data quality changes over a period of time the data that is that we consider as qualified data or suitable data for an analysis might not be relevant over a period of time after one year or two years as well so it 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 also it is a very broad topic this uh, data quality uh, and this is precisely the biggest issue now uh, with with this whole uh, data boom that we have to to get some kind of a quality data or reliable data as we can call as and 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 i would say automating the data collections in most of the cases would uh, solve the data quality issues rather than relying on uh, unautomated or or unstructured data sources that we generally have but but this is again a broader broader topic on itself to discuss uh, if if we start discussing this uh, data quality and and any organization should have data stewards checking for data quality at every given point of time um, my experience is very much what what you what you started with Jeep. like how do you get time to do this and uh, like in every project where you start if you get data in people are mostly happy uh, but after when the project is finished you will never get the time to say okay i want to as you said, right, units testing or some kind of checks that the data is actually flowing correctly. Maybe some skew skew tests, like if it's shifting over time, we should have alerts on it or, uh, or these type of tools. Um, there are no, I don't yet, I have not seen a good solution, uh, but I'm going to fall back what you said in the earlier question, like okay, what is the purpose of this data? Uh, do everything needs to be good or can we focus on a couple of events or fields that should be good? Um, like have a tight dialogue with the people who create the service. Like how how do we get at least these to be uh, real reliable? The rest we can we can actually afford to not have as as good as we would like them to have. Um, that's usually cool. how I try to break it. Yeah, please continue. I guess maybe I'm just more of a more pessimistic mindset uh, than you guys, but I I always feel like okay if we have one day out of the quarter where there was some issue that that someone discovered then we probably had 30 days where we had issues that you know went under the radar if i'm missing a full day of data because the etl had some sort of hiccup or whatnot then i assume that other days i've had you know maybe just missing 100 rows of data here and there or whatever the case might be and sure we can implement you know, counts and correctness tests and kind of skewedness tests and all these statistical implementations to kind of figure out where that is the case. But failing that we work at a company that's big enough to have full-time data stewards, like how would you, would you not try to explicitly plan this into the roadmap then? Because I've been pondering it, like maybe for the next project set aside, you know, real actual time and try to get that from whoever is responsible for the PM or whatnot said, okay, I want so and so many days to actually just work on data quality for this particular project. Can I ask you when you say data quality, like what, what are the things you would like to mitigate? I mean, it's incredibly broad as you guys stated before, but uh, just data being wrong, because uh, even if you have an automated collection process, you may have some manual inputs due to either manual backfills that are more or less error prone, um, and or you have some sort of manual, maybe you have some sort of fail safe that, okay, um, 
I scan this thing and the thing happens. Oh, but if it didn't, then we need to call support and they'll enter it manually. Just all these kinds of error-prone data collection things. And then you have transformations, you have the ETL layer. And I just see all these kind of kinds of holes where we usually, you know, put some scripts into place or whatnot to check. Like, how is this actually going? Try to invest in some product checking that the contents of the data set are kind of what we expect them to be. Or someone pushes a commit to prod where accidentally a price point can be negative. Stuff like that. They'll fix the commit immediately upon seeing the first negative price point. But then that's still in my analytics data set. And if these things happen all of the time, I feel like this nebulous data quality thing is something that will just accumulate over time. Okay, I see. Um, like my firm belief, if if you build a system or build tools that it's hard to do wrong with, you are in a much better place. Uh, like you can definitely, in every data product, you can do a lot of manual stuff just to get the product moving along. But like I just look at myself, if I do 10 manual steps today per day, I would probably do two of them wrong. Uh, and then I know that this is important. Uh, so like if, if you're just doing this manually by hand and you're a bit stressed, like it will fail. Uh, so how do we give our end users or our users the capability of not doing wrong? Uh, but I have people upstream of me who can also do things wrong. And sometimes these manual processes are in the nature of the beast. Simply there is some manual stuff going on at, say, a packing terminal or a store and that can't be helped. And once it's bubbled down to where I can see it, it's still my responsibility, but I can't do anything about it. I can't go upstream and start designing their tools for them. No. If I don't start my own startup, you know, and do everything. Yeah, and 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 to say it, it can happen in a broader level, like it can happen at the starting point and it can happen in the pipeline or it can happen in the down downstream systems. It, data quality can occur at, at any given point of time. And to come back to your point on, on dedicating some time, uh, stopping your, your, your actual insights or, or outcomes, to do data quality checks is, is not always a good idea because uh, you will in turn miss a new data quality issues if you start using the data or if you stop people from using the data from getting insights or something like that. Instead, as you have suggested yourself, like uh, building some kind of a scripts to check the data quality and to, to make people end users or users of the data informed that this is some issue that we have faced and this is some issue that we are going to tackle on now and and improving it improving it as as like we learn in uh, artificial intelligence or neural networks in the same way i think this data quality also should be learned when when you face a data quality issue that becomes a starting point for us to make sure that these kind of data quality issue never occur again in the in the future so it should be a continuous process rather than just halting everything and then and then uh, and then dedicating that time only to fix the data quality issues that we have uh, in, in the data. But if the data quality issue is so large that you cannot get any data or the data that you get is completely incorrect, then there is no other option to just shut down the data source and uh, do the data quality checks. But And I think it becomes very important to understand the impact that the issue have caused and also to build a mechanism on top of uh, top of it when it has occurred. So these two becomes very important uh, uh, to keep our data quality in check. Yeah, I agree. I mean, also some kind of data quality issues. Let's say you have a whole day of missing data, for example, that will 
probably be uh, uh, spotted by the business user pretty quickly. First thing in the morning, you will get an angry email, I guess, from the business stakeholders wondering where, where my data is. Uh, but it's more like the sub, subtle um, data quality issues, for example, uh, validity. So like, are we measuring the, the things that we want to measure and so forth? That could be very, very tricky to kind of detect. And you need to start from, from the, the lowest level of where you collect the data and, and like kind of build upwards from there i think uh, uh, that is there, there's no other way to kind of catch those more like subtle data quality issues i, I feel like I'm, I'm going against the grain here a bit but i feel i feel that's like are speaking about issues then that's like a reactive approach i i'm not going to start eating broccoli when i have joint problems like you got to start eating broccoli when you're a kid and that's how i feel like if i have a full day of missing data the stakeholders will notice but that just kind of alarms me that okay i can have five minutes of missing data or i can have some data points just being slightly off no one will ever detect it and that makes me antsy i don't like the feeling of that but at the same time getting actual hours to work on this like if you hire someone that's all obviously excellent if you have a data steward but in my case the data engineers and the data analysts have have to do this work and at the same time keep delivering deliverables and maybe maybe the key learning here is to figure out how to kind of express this need for me then in, in trying to tell the stakeholders that we don't want issues. We don't want to solve issues. We want to completely, you know, circumvent the issues before they ever happen. But uh, from my, like, uh, from my point of view, it's also about like the, the value that you are uh, creating by fixing this or avoiding a cost, right? Uh, if there is no cost, maybe is there really a true data quality problem then? If no, if it doesn't affect anything in a negative way, uh, do you need to fix it then? It's also one way to look at it. Uh, but I assume that there is a cost uh, not fixing your, your data quality issues. Uh, I can't say whether we have data quality issues more or less than anyone else. It's mainly this this hidden cost. If there's not a problem that I see, that doesn't mean that there's not a problem. I feel I feel like there's a big chain of stakeholders and me looking at the data, the backend guys looking at the data, everyone looking at the data and no one having the ability to spot that, hey, uh, so-and-so data point is always 6% off, say. Like you'd never know unless you implemented some kind of actual data quality check. No one is going to ever spot that unless it becomes like a, an issue huge enough to notice. But I assume that there's there's some validity to that statement as well, right? What you're saying, Sebastian, is like if... If we don't, there's probably bigger fish to fry if we don't even notice this problem. I guess we always need to put the effort in relation to the value that it's creating. Uh, but yeah, doing one pilot, one quick investigation to kind of get a sense of what is the potential with spending time on fixing uh, our data quality. It's it's strongly recommended, I would say, to to have at least some data stewards looking into into the data source if your data source is so huge. I would say as much as you rely on your analysts and uh, engineers to find out and fix something, you will always end up in a situation of reacting rather than proactively solving some kind of a data quality issue. So uh, if your data source is huge, I would, uh, I, I would myself think that there should be someone who is capable enough to find out an issue before even it occurs. So which of course, is data stewardship, and and it is a skill set itself in our data world. So, so, so it, it becomes rather important to have at least one data steward for, for looking into looking into that if it if it is quite oftenly occurring, and and also using uh, monitoring tools becomes extremely important if uh, if it is uh, missing data. 
of course if it is uh, data that is having as you said a 6% difference in uh, profitability or something like that constantly in a column that that uh, any monitoring tool i think uh, will not be able to capture without uh, setting some kind of a rules there but if there is a missing data issue which is also a data quality issue then you can have a better mo- monitoring uh, built up and then we have lot of man- monitoring tools in the cloud itself or which are connected to cloud or as third parties which can be used but uh, if your data source is huge and if it demands a continuous data quality check on any given day it's it's no blinder to have a data steward working along with you in the team which who can keep track of all the quality issues that you have so rather a team composition issue than a product planning issue you'd say yes good input yeah. I, i think that's it for my question at least i mean thanks guys for your insights yeah definitely it seems like you got some good answers there um so yeah that moves on nicely to um the final question then so this is prakash's question um so that is what are important steps products um what are important steps uh, products should take to improve data literacy in cross functional teams so if you'd like to give us a bit of background behind the question and then I'll open it up to the group yes so my thought process or intention is also similar to the questions that we have heard before but the only thing that i wanted to stress us here or or the challenge that we face always is that our product team compositions are very cross functional we are we have people working on with different skill sets here engineers working on here product people working on here business stakeholders working on in the product teams and then you also have ux designers working on in in the same product team who who wanted to contribute to the organization so when we have an organization this cross functional working together what efforts we we can put as a data team to improve the data literacy across the skill sets that we have and also what measures these cross functional teams or cross functional capabilities can take to get themselves closer to closer to us as a data team in in both ways vice versa so that's basically is my question i can i can start like uh, we also face this problem a little bit we are sitting in in our own departments and we are doing very clever stuff individually like how how do you share this one uh so usually what we have found out to be working really good depending on the size of the projects and of course what you're supposed to do like we lend the people out to the organization so for example if i if i used to work as a data scientist we're going to do some new project for anomaly detection uh, then i usually i go and I sit with the inf- infra team and say okay what are the problems you are having like what try to get a better understanding of the actual use case i think it all ties 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 up to what you said in the beginning like what are we actually trying to solve and like the input i get from that either either i remain seated with them or i go back to my my fellow fellow data science colleagues and say okay guys i need help in order to to design this but share share the view of the problem i don't know if people have a hybrid office sit with them if they don't have it get the discord uh, channel up and running where you can sit and just listen in um hearing hearing what what are the pain points usually is helps us at least yeah i agree with that completely trying to improve your own literacy of something is probably easier than trying to influence someone to improve theirs and probably through some sort of osmosis uh, some sort of knowledge sharing happens if if we're all sitting together and we're all discussing the same kind of issues learning the language uh, of each other 
um, I think that's that's key to bridging, you know, cross cross functional anything, especially if we go so far as to include business people, business analysts, uh, and or accountants or whatnot, who might not be technically, as you might say, literate. Because a, a big a big part of not being literate in anything might be your your inclination to be literate in that. I mean, some people probably think of me as the data guy or the computer guy, and they are perfectly, you know, correct in doing so. I'm not there to teach them everything about everything that I do, but rather share a language around their issues. Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, I mean, if you're sitting in, in a team of UI, UX designers as well, I think if you uh, present your analysis with data that they can relate to, that can kind of like uh, spark their, their interest and, and their understanding of how, how valuable data can be, I think that can help uh, motivate a, a team of other non-data people as well. So like showing uh, uh, how you can use data in decision making, I think that signals from the uh, organization how, how valuable it is. Yeah. And also if I can tweak in this question to our world itself, uh, rather than going outside and, uh, and and then talking about engineers, I think the major challenge that we face as well is that sometimes we try to work as solos, the data scientists that we have, analysts that we have, and engineers that we have. We we miss some kind of a collaboration in, uh, in, in working together as well and understanding each other's needs, for example. So how do you... Uh, in your teams tackle this situation, um, making people of different crafts within data to understand each other and work in a collaborative manner? That's a very good question. Like, uh, because of the team structure, and I have the luxury of both having data engineers and data scientists. I don't have an analyst uh, in my team, but how we how we try to mitigate uh, the bridge between our the two departments are like we usually try to put one data engineers and one data scientist together in order to solve a problem. And depending on the nature, if it's a problem where we should read in a new data source with the techniques that follows that, usually data engineers are in lead, but the data scientists have a much much more better understanding of what the business value will be. So they assist. And on the other, other way around, like if it's a recommendation project, the data science build uh, build um, uh, algorithm and the data engineer helps in order to scale this scale this function to the rest of the users which means that we 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 get better understanding of what are the pain points for the different different departments so that's how we at least in my team try to mitigate this so would you also see if i can ask a follow up question would you also mm try to make each other understand they work in a regular fashion or or how do you generally what would be your process on or on an approach um i would say to make each other understand their their work in a in a collaborative manner it, it, would it be a day to day interaction or would it be a interaction that happens over a, over a week or something like that mm. so what we usually do and this works very well for us it doesn't mean it works for all teams we do but a lot of pair coding so in that you get the knowledge transfer like by itself so to say but of course sometimes it doesn't work out to sit together uh, then then it's very important that you you document your code you share it you share your prs with your colleagues so they get understanding of it and here's a balance like you don't need to understand everything but as long as you have the overview Usually that's good. And where the line goes here, it's very much depending on, on which pair is working. I hope that answers, answers the question. I think one thing that we do quite well in our current team, which is also 
uh, cross-disciplinary. We don't have data scientists, but we do have analysts working along with the data engineers. So it's kind of the same same dynamic there. You have the data analysts with their better knowledge and understanding of the data set and the challenges the, the business need, and the data engineers with their better understanding of the underlying techniques. But trying to gather around the product, I felt is important. Like sitting together is is great, uh, as you said, and also kind of celebrating each other's successes and having that kind of information sharing where it's not just about, oh, we did this or we this and that, but letting the analysts show the thing that they did and explaining in their own words, because they usually find joy in what they do. And then we, the data engineers can kind of also partake in that joy. And, and we all know that, okay, so we all made this thing happen together. Or if we have some technical thing that we've solved in a great way, the data analysts might not be in a position to fully appreciate every nuance of it, you know, conversely, but at the same time, they realize that we are proud and we are now serving up, you know, more correct data and or faster and making their lives easier. So together we're making this cool thing and PRs are a great tool of gathering. If you can have a PR not be, you know, the gate to prod, but have it be some sort of collaborative tool where you you gather and you make a cup of coffee and, you know, you'll be like, ooh, so-and-so published a PR. I'm going to look at it. We're going to look at it together. We're going to go to a whiteboard. We're going to start talking about it. Um, just looking at PRs with the author can also work. Just having some sort of sense of community about what you're doing because you are one team. You're making one thing. If you just shove tickets to done in Jira or whatever, then and you don't feel the craftsmanship, the pride, then I think it's very hard for others outside of your craft to to take part of the joy because you're not doing so. So just, you know, be happy. Yeah, I think that's like... One of the things I thought uh, when I work with our sales department, these guys are excellent at celebrating stuff and a bit envy of that. Like, why aren't we as good at celebrating stuff? We do a lot of stuff on a daily basis, celebrate more. Uh, so I, I usually try to take inspiration from, from, the, from the sales team. How, how, do we, how do we celebrate more? So I just agree totally what you said. I have the exact same experience with exactly a sales department. Yeah. They were ringing their bell. And at first I was annoyed and then I was envious. And then finally, I was like, I'm just going to go up there. I'm just also going to go and applaud. Nice. So, well, is, is, has anybody else got anything else to add just before I go ahead and stop the recording there? Maybe I'll just say one thing. Uh, I mean, uh, to, to connecting to all the points, I would say, I would I would generally say everything has a beauty, but only few can see it. So, so data has a lot of beauty, but few can only see it. And our main aim is to make everyone see it. So that becomes really, really important. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Nice. I love that. Thank you very much for that. So I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording there. But I just want to say thank you again for everyone who's joined me today. And thank you to everyone who's still listening.